Goulds. Gwaulds. Goulds. Goulds. Goulds? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I was sitting here like, la la la, just wait for Mary. And then you sent the link and I was like, oh, I haven't plugged in my microphone. <laughs> I am not ready. What am I doing? Blah. Well, and I felt bad for making you wait while I fought a minotaur and then you weren't even ready. It took me a while to figure out this was a game thing. I thought you were like... <laughs> Fighting an actual minotaur. Like, I, yeah, I was like, what does she mean by that? <laughs> There's a, there was a for real minotaur in my living room. Crazy. Trying to, trying to eat the dogs. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's okay. I, I won. Actually, I didn't. Well, in, my, <laughs> in the game, I did not, in fact, win. So it wouldn't bode well for the dogs if it was a real minotaur. Womp womp. Mm-hmm. Wine. Nice. Yes. I've also got a wee demon here, which is about halfway done. Are you drinking anything interesting? I'm about to open an Imperial Stout Trooper. Delicious. Indeed. Mm. Sure is. So good. How was your day? You had to actually work like a chump, even though it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. (laughs) At least as of our recording. (laughs) It was fine. It was very slow. There were hardly people in here. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We have people do sweeps of our workplace once in a while to see how many people are there. Mm-hmm. And there were 11 at one wow. point. And I was just <laughs> laughing because there were probably way more staff in the building than there were right. people to help. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big library yeah. that you work at. <laughs> yes, I work in a library. <laughs> so that I think was... you've mentioned you work in a library before. I don't anyway. know if I have. But anyway. I think you did. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, yeah. not not busy, and that's okay. Yeah. I did some podcast editing, and I watched today's episode, and I played some video games, and took the puppies for a walk, and that was about it for me. Sounds fabulous. Yeah. I did no real work, and it was great. Are you on track to do no work over the long weekend? I am. Well, aside from finishing the podcast edit, yes. which is about three quarters of the way done awesome. at this point. Yeah. So good. Yeah. If we count that as real work. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It depends on my mood. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I guess there's not a lot going on. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, this yeah. is short, sweet. Okay. It's a slow week. Yeah. Slow week right before Thanksgiving. This will be at sure after is. Thanksgiving by the time this comes out. There was a clinic near uh, where I worked that was doing vaccines and booster shots. And I Excellent. thought about getting mine today. And then I was like... Yeah. What if I have a bad oh, reaction and I can't yeah. enjoy the holiday? That would suck. Yeah, that's a good point. I felt awful after mine. So. You know, no worse than when I got the initial one, yeah. but still, it wouldn't have been fun to feel that icky on uh, on Thanksgiving. So. so that's fair. So I held off. I mean, I have an appointment for later that's in, good. in a couple, maybe a week or so. But I was like, well, yeah. maybe I'll just get it done. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. 
Don't do that. Important to do, but yeah, yeah. probably a good idea to not do it the right before you have to go and be social yeah. with people and leave your apartment. <laughs> like, oh, hi, family. You need to take care of me because I don't feel good. <laughs> I'm going to just lay on the couch. <laughs> I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> so I decided not to that swing out of my life. <laughs> I don't have much going on either, and it, I'm enjoying the fact that I don't have much going on. It's good. Does that mean we should uh, get on with it? Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. We probably should. <laughs> okay. <laughs> should we mention? Uh, well, first of all, we should say what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Stargate SG One Season Three Episode Four Legacy. Yeah. This might be a bit troubling for anybody who is sensitive to mental health issues in that it is a very 90s perspective on mental health and not a very enlightened perspective on mental health that they are taking with this episode. Yeah, that is a good thing to mention. Yes. If that's not okay with any of our lovely listeners, we love you. We for sure understand. Uh, And please know that at least I personally am coming at this from the perspective of a person who is open about having had mental health issues and is not neurotypical. I am sensitive to these issues and I am not taking these issues lightly, if that helps anyone feel better about it. The team is in a dark place wandering around with flashlights. Yes. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Jack asks Daniel... You know, what's this place about? Daniel's like, advanced culture, then they stripped and deserted it. And Sam adds that they found no life signs when they sent the map through. The tunnels are round, so there's a round door. And there's an orange stone thing on the wall. And Teal'c says it is of ancient gold design. How ancient, we don't know. We don't know a lot about the, the gold's history. But, you know, it could be... A million years old. It could be 10 years old. We don't know. Ancient's probably older Who than knows? that. I don't know why I'm even... Ancient's probably older yeah. than 10. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm going <laughs> down this road. This is not interesting. Anyway. <laughs> Teal'c waves his hand. Does he even touch it? I can't tell if he actually touches it, but he waves his hand over the orange button. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. I think he touches it, but I don't... I don't guess it doesn't really yeah. matter. And a door opens. It doesn't smell good in there. But they proceed to have a look around, and they only discover something when Daniel trips over it. It is a dead person. (laughs) Oops. Oops. Jack orders a level A, and they all put on those, like, mask head. Not very effective hoods. Yes, the hood things. (laughs) And we see just how ineffective they are in this episode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Then they spot more bodies. It's an awful lot of bodies. It's a lot of bodies. Nine, in fact, which I think they mm-hmm. count in the next scene, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah. They count it somewhere. Yeah. And Sam notices that there is a noticeable neck wound. So she says that they are not merely human, but they were golds. Oh my god. Credits. Credits. After the credits, Tilk is looking at another redstone kind of device on the inside of the door. And he says that it seems to have been damaged by a ribbon device, what we all know better as sparkle bling. Sam says that maybe they were trying to contain whatever did this to anybody. Daniel finds a tablet on a table nearby and asks Teal'c if he recognizes the symbol. It's apparently the crest of Linvris. And that is a League of Lesser Golds who challenged the system Golds. Jack is quite surprised to learn that a minor league exists. 
And Tilk says, yes, there are nine of them. You would think that maybe we would have learned about this before now, but no. I guess Tilk never found this to be relevant. No, apparently not. <laughs> well, they're beneath the system lords, so they don't count. Are they even True. really yeah. gods? We don't know. I guess not. I, I was going to make a joke about what the next level down would be, but I don't actually know. <laughs> So anyway, they continue looking around the room. Carter does count all the bodies in this scene, apparently, and she finds nine of them. So they figure, okay, well, that's all of those lesser minor league team. That is enough for a baseball team. Problem (laughs) solved. Problem they didn't even know they might have. Truth. Daniel finds a gold tablet and tries to read it. He says that it's something to do with a battle plan of some kind, but he needs one of those special devices that makes the screen go to the next page, which they've seen on other planets, I guess. Yeah. Jack points it out under a table. Daniel goes to try to pick it up, and it runs it over the tablet, but it doesn't work. There's a weird loud noise. Daniel jumps, but that doesn't actually do anything. Daniel says, though, that he felt something brush by him. Jack shines his light around the chamber that they're in, but there doesn't seem to be anyone else there aside from them and the dead bodies and the dead bodies are for sure not moving at this time. So Jack's like, all right, well, it's getting creepy here. Let's just get out of here and uh, head back to earth (laughs) and leave this to the medical containment unit. (laughs) So they exit the chamber and we get a lovely pan down close up of one of the dead faces. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's that scene. Back on earth. In the SGC, in the locker room, Daniel gets out of the shower and he hears a whisper, Dr. Jackson, which he assumes is someone outside and says, I'll be out in a minute. The voice calls again and Daniel kind of looks around and towards the sink, which is dripping. And we focus on that for a moment. I don't know why that was such a big focus. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I don't. Because they focused on it. Yeah. Yeah. For, for quite a moment. And then he stares at his reflection while he's holding his hand under the dripping water. Yeah. And that just, that whole thing was weird. Yeah. I, so without talking about whether or not I liked the episode or not yet, I did, I felt like they went for this sort of like creepy vibe, which yeah. I was, so when it took a turn, I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> same. I'll talk about that yeah. later, but yeah, same. <laughs> okay. So this I felt like was part of just still setting that like sort of creepy yeah, ambiance. yeah, that's fair. Kind of, um, yeah, like suspense building, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mystery building, suspensefulness. Yeah, yeah. So that's he just looks in the mirror, then looks around the room again. Yeah, yep, yep. In the hallway, Sam comes up and Daniel asks if she was just calling him, and she's like, "No, nah, just got here." He seems really surprised, but she's not the only female in the base, so. I don't really know why he was quite that surprised. She also doesn't whisper his name, Dr. Jackson, <laughs> or call him Dr. Jackson. Also, also both of those things. Yes, very good points. <laughs> Apparently, Sam's just come down to tell him that General Hammond is waiting for them in the briefing room. So she walks away, and then we get a nice close-up of Daniel staring. Yes. Because that's a thing that they like to do now. Spooky music. Yes. yes. In the conference room, Dr. Frazier is briefing them on what they've discovered about the bodies, which is that the hagfish died before their hosts. They can tell that because it leaves a unique protein marker in the blood after the gold <laughs> dies and is reabsorbed by the body. They use that term wrong. Protein but marker or dies? Protein marker. 
<laughs> dies. <laughs> they don't use the term protein marker, right? But I'm just going to go okay. with it. Sure. Hammond would like to know how they died. And Fraser's like, I don't know. We're never going to know, probably. She can't study the body because there is no body of the hagfish. Jack's like, whoa, was this some sort of bio-warfare deal? And Teal'c says that wouldn't work because the gold are immune to such things. But Daniel's like, what about the hosts? I would just like to point out as I scanned ahead in my notes and just quickly glanced at the bottom line, Jack says perp or perps, and I misread it as perpeter as I was scanning <laughs> ahead. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought that it was worth mentioning. It's definitely <laughs> worth mentioning. That's what you call them, perpeterps. <laughs> I don't know how I managed that. I really haven't had that much to drink today. <laughs> yeah. It's a pre-holiday uh, punchiness. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. So Daniel asks after the hosts and what happened to them. And Dr. Fraser says they have no wounds, didn't find any infection. So they probably died of starvation because they were locked in a room with no food or water. Which is horrifying. Yeah. Yes. Also, they would die of dehydration long before they would die of starvation. Yeah. So, but that, it's extra horrifying if your entire life you're trapped inside, like, the power yeah. of this hagfish, and then you get out, and then you just die. Oh. I'm free. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm free, and then you die a horrible, painful death. That's, right. That's horrifying. Yeah. I'm going to insert a couple of random teal laughs here and there just to yes. lighten the mood of this episode a bit, I think. Yes. <laughs> I think this episode needs some hearty teal laughs to cheer it up. I think so. <laughs> I wonder Agreed. if people have written fanfic about their end. It's not, it wouldn't oh, be entertaining. It would be Probably. horrifying. But anyway. It would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the world's most depressing yes. fanfic. <laughs> oh. Hammond wants to know who killed them and why. Teal says probably the system lords. And then Jack asks how whoever did this would have gotten out. And Sam's like, well, maybe they're not visible and we let them out when we went in. Jack's like, Ritu? And Teal's like, nah, Ritu wouldn't be so kind to the hosts. And they would definitely leave some marks on those bodies. <laughs> Hemant asks about the device they recovered, the tablet-y thing. And as he's asking this, the gate alarm starts and the gate starts dialing, which seems to distract Daniel quite a bit. He does manage to continue. <laughs> he says it's a gold dialect akin to Latin, and it's something about an attack plan. And he's still trying to figure out how to get to the next page on the tablet. Hammond tells him this is his top priority and dismisses everyone. Everyone gets up and leave, except for Daniel, who gets up and walks to the window to watch SG-7 returning. But he doesn't see SG-7. He sees the dead bodies, but they're animated doing the things sg7 is doing yes yes <laughs> it's disturbing yes it is disturbing he looks at jack who obviously does not see this and then he looks back and they are normal people what up daniel not zombie yeah. people anymore no. yeah yep. yeah super creepy it is quite creepy after that daniel is in his nerd lab trying to translate that tablet thingy he takes some kind of pill which i think is just supposed to be aspirin I, with some it water like there was a big a on the label so that's what i was yeah. guessing so I'm guessing, and they talk about him having headaches yeah. later. So he's muttering to himself and clearly trying to translate the stuff on the tablet, something about infiltration. And then he hears a voice whispering his name, and the sounds of the Stargate start coming from the closet. 
So he pulls the closet doors open, and there is a Stargate Event Horizon right there inside the closet. A voice tells Daniel to join it, us. Join with us, Daniel. Step through the gate, Daniel. And step through the gate. Daniel tries to tell himself that this isn't real, and all of a sudden, one of the creepy corpses and a dead hand come out of that event horizon and grab Daniel and pull him in, and he screams for help. Yeah, that's quite disturbing also. (laughs) Very creepy. Yes. The screen fades back from black, and Jack comes into focus. He's holding a, what do you call those things? Balloon of liquid of some kind. Not like a water balloon, though, like like the IV drip. He's like playing with that big... Ball. Oh, just a bag. bag. Yeah, a bag of liquid. <laughs> but it's bigger than the normal ones. I don't know. Anyway, he's got a it's bag of IV liquid he's of playing something. with. Because what else is he going to do while he's in the infirmary waiting for <laughs> I was like, where did he get water balloons <laughs> from? What? <laughs> he didn't notice he, he was having a water balloon fight with Teal. <laughs> I did not <laughs> notice that. <laughs> but he abandons the game when Daniel awakens. Jack wants to know what happened, and Daniel rubs his phone forehead and asks Jack if he believes in ghosts, which he does not. But Daniel says, me either, but it's a logical explanation. He says there has, there has to, to be, be a, a logical, logical explanation. explanation. Sorry. Other than yes. ghosts. Okay. Daniel then tells Jack that he felt something brush by him in the chamber. He's been hearing voices and seeing the dead Gould from the room. And last night in his closet, he found an event horizon without a Stargate. I'm glad I've never found that in my closet. I mean, I think a Stargate would be cool, but I don't think I would want to find it with a dead person in my closet randomly at night. I try not to find dead people in my closet. (laughs) Also that is just in general. It's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, no dead people. Try to avoid finding dead people in your closet. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. That would be very, very disturbing. Yes. Yep. Daniel, though, thinks they might not really be dead. And he's referring specifically to the hagfish part of the people. Yeah. He says he translated something on the tablet that he thought meant attack, but it maybe meant enter by infiltration. Jack is skeptical that this is what is going on. Daniel continues, perhaps these folks were hunted by the system lords, so perhaps they use some sort of technology to turn themselves into energy or something. He's like, eh, Sam can figure that out. But they're definitely here, entered by infiltration, <laughs> and they want to take Daniel as a host. Jack's like, all nine? That'd be crowded. Yeah. Daniel's like, that sounds crazy. I know. But Jack's like, mm, yeah, and there are holes in your theory. Daniel says it's a theory... It's a theory, not a proof. Yep. Which is also not correct because it's a hypothesis. Yeah, I was like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Jack wants to know why Daniel's the only one who would see them and why no one is in his closet. Daniel's like, I don't know. The other theory is I'm having a nervous breakdown or something. That would suck. I like Jack's theory that it was maybe just because Daniel's closet was clean. <laughs> yes. Or I should say his hypothesis. <laughs> yes. I do it myself sometimes. They use, well, they use theory a lot in this episode. So, they yeah. do. Yeah. I'm not going to call it out every time. Yeah. <laughs> There's an episode of X-Files. I think it's Mulder is saying theory, but he's using quotation marks and like it's just really funny and I can't remember what episode that is. <laughs> and I think it was him. Maybe it was Scully. Apparently they're interchangeable, Mulder and Scully, to me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They look exactly They look like, exactly like, like they confused sound them when like the show. They do. They do the same thing. Very, like, yep. yep. Very very close in height to each other as well. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think it's in the episode Bad Blood, and uh-huh. it's when they're talking to the sheriff, I think. Go ahead, tell him your uh, theory. You know, I actually, the beginning of this episode actually reminded me of the it, X-Files. I got a very X-Files vibe from it with the flashlights yeah. and creepiness yeah. of it, which I actually forgot to mention when you were yeah. talking about it. it was, but Yeah, it, was, it had an X-Files vibe. In it did. Bad yeah. Blood's a great episode, by the way, and I nice. highly recommend it. Have you I seen that that's one with Luke Wilson? I've seen all of them. With who? Luke Wilson, he's the sheriff. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's okay. a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid who played yeah. Ham in the Sandlot. Yeah. 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 Okay. I for sure know what episode you're talking about. I just don't know episode titles, but I absolutely know that episode. The X-Files <laughs> is the first TV show I ever learned any... One, it's the first one I ever learned there were names for TV episodes. <laughs> and two, that I learned any of their names. Fair. I had a little obsession back in the 90s. <laughs> little? <laughs> a little. Sure. Little. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen you have bigger obsessions than your X Files yes. obsession in the years. That was like since. a that was a proto obsession, like before I knew how to fully obsess about something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was a practice obsession. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Anyway, in the briefing room, Jack enters and he pauses when he sees who is in there. It's a guy named Doctor McKenzie, who I don't think we've met him before. Have I have not. I did not recognize him. Not that I remember it anyway. But Jack recognizes him. Jack goes in and is like, "I'm not going to enjoy this, am I?" Hammond is also there and says that part of Doctor McKenzie's work involves analyzing psychological data from all of the SG units, basically to see if there are any mental health side effects that any of them are suffering as a result of geek travel. And apparently, they think that what's happening with Dr. Jackson is a very serious mental health side effect of gate travel. Dr. McKenzie says, Dr. Frazier's been treating you for headaches lately, hasn't she? And Jack looks not too pleased at Dr. Frazier, who just kind of averts her eyes. <laughs> I, like, I was actually debating here like whether or not that would be appropriate or inappropriate, and it would kind of depend on the situation, but that could be a HIPAA violation depending on whether they were co-treating him or not the situation is there a way for them to like as is people in this program to be like yes you need to, you can look at whatever you want of mine like whoever needs yeah to, you, like they probably would have given some kind of waiver that like all of the people in, in charge of their care are responsible to to are able to collaborate with each other on it cool. so yeah jack's having headaches apparently daniel was also having headaches And apparently, also, 53% of the SG field personnel have headaches as well. Jack's like, who cares? Lots of people get headaches. What is your point? And Mackenzie says that Daniel was experiencing what they would say is the first break psychotic episode, manifesting as full-blown, hebephrenic schizophrenia. So, of course, I had to look into this. I knew a little bit about schizophrenia itself. I didn't know anything about hebephrenic schizophrenia. So apparently, it's not actually even a diagnosis anymore. It used to be a sub-diagnosis of schizophrenia. It's also known as disorganized schizophrenia. It is characterized by, according to Healthline, disorganized thinking, unusual speech patterns, flat effect, emotions that don't fit the situation, incongruent facial reactions, and difficulty performing daily activities. But one of the things that differentiates hebephrenic schizophrenia from regular schizophrenia is that it is not characterized by hallucinations. So I thought that that was strange that they specifically identified hebephrenic schizophrenia as what Daniel has, even though he is most prominently suffering from hallucinations, which would be traditional schizophrenia rather than this hebephrenic yeah type. i feel like the writers just wanted to put another big word in there right yeah make it sound fancy yeah. <laughs> but also according to healthline like i said a second ago it was considered a diagnosis but not according to the newest version of um 
the, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders, that was DSM-5, although a International Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, ICD-10, does still recognize it as a separate diagnosis. Ha ha. You're welcome. That's my tangent about schizophrenia. Thank you. I did not. I looked it up a little bit because I was like, I didn't know there was a specific type of schizophrenia at all. And then I I was like, this is a deep dive that I don't want to do. And Mary will take (laughs) care of it. I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. So Fraser says that migraines are often the first signs of schizophrenia and There is actually also, according to some of the research that I did, a correlation between headaches and schizophrenia. A lot of people that have schizophrenia do also suffer from headaches, but also there are tons of people that get migraines that are not necessarily schizophrenic. So headaches don't mean that you have schizophrenia, but she seemed to be emphasizing it more than I thought that that she should be like implying that, oh no, headaches mean schizophrenia. No, that's not really quite how that works. Jack is a bit surprised. He's like, wait a minute. So Daniel's schizophrenic here and it's caused by the Stargate. And Dr. Frazier's like, well, it's the only logical explanation that we have right now, which I thought was weird because like maybe whatever killed the people on that planet might be a more logical explanation than that he suddenly got schizophrenia. And actually, as another side tangent, in order to diagnose somebody with schizophrenia, also according to, I think it was Healthline that I was reading about, uh, it takes six months of monitoring somebody's symptoms to actually diagnose them, not just a couple days, well, as they did with Daniel. Dr. Frazier is like a super diagnoser because she also can call out a coma when, you know, mm-hmm. we're not ready for that. Right. Also yeah. that. Right. So she just, she just, she just can tell. Yeah. Yep, she just but knows. She just has a sense about these things. It's super weird that they jumped right to this and not, there's something weird on a planet we were on where there's always something yeah. weird. Right. Like maybe he inhaled some kind of hallucinogenic chemical yeah. or something first yeah. rather than just, no, he's schizophrenic and uh, that's it. No hope for him. Also, also their treatment of schizophrenia in general, like it's not easy to treat, but it can be treatable and people that have schizophrenia can live very healthy fulfilling lives if they're properly managing the condition so it's not like this uh, i didn't like how they portrayed schizophrenia and making it seem like he was going to have to be literally in a padded cell for the rest of his life because he has it because that is not the case at all in real life so anyway they continue going on about dr jackson's dopamine levels and how they've increased in the left hemisphere of his brain apparently there actually is also a link between dopamine levels and the limbic system which controls our emotions and our reactions to to emotion so people that have schizophrenia do actually have elevated dopamine levels in their limbic system Which is not only on the left hemisphere, though, so I'm not sure I was going to ask about that. that. The limbic system is on both sides. Because I was like, can you you, a level increase just on one half of your brain? What? Yeah. I mean, there are things that are only on one side of the brain than the other. Like Broca's speech area is generally on the left side. But But the limbic system is on both sides. Okay, good. Yeah. Anyway, so suddenly Sam speaks up. At this point, I was like, wow, this is super inappropriate that they're having this conversation. HIPAA was enacted in 1996. And so they really should not have been having this conversation about the medical health of a coworker without that coworker's consent and without him being present. There are so many tangents. <laughs> like everyone's probably tuned out by now. Like I have no idea what she's talking about anymore. I feel like I took care of it in the first like scene. So don't worry. <laughs> 
So anyway, long story short, they're debating. Does Daniel have schizophrenia? Does he not have schizophrenia? What is happening? Well, no, we've decided that he does have schizophrenia because reasons. They're continuing to talk about how his family doesn't have a genetic history of it, which they also for sure shouldn't be talking about specifically in the workplace. That is very illegal, according to the Gina app. You can't discuss genetic information for sure not in the workplace because it's discriminatory. Okay. My nerdy health insurance information and the disclaimers I used to have to read <laughs> to people are all coming back to me. Hell now. yeah. So long story short, the whole entire gist of this conversation is that Jack and Sam are not convinced that Daniel has schizophrenia. Hammond, Mackenzie, and Fraser are all convinced that he does. And they're going to be shutting down the entire Stargate program until they figure out exactly what's happening with Daniel because they don't want to risk anybody else in the field suddenly developing schizophrenia the way that Daniel suddenly developed schizophrenia. So they're going to medicate him and let him rest in one of the VIP rooms. Lucky him. Yeah. Yeah. But if he gets worse, they're going to commit him to mental health, ominous music, which I thought was inappropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Inappropriate to say he needs to be committed to mental health, make that ominous. Mental health words are not necessarily a bad place to be, if that is what you need. Yep. Mm -hmm. Weird flex episode. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, for sure, in history, there have been a lot of problematic, like, really bad mental health wards. Certainly. Mental health wards can be very good for people that need them and if they are properly regulated with a very caring staff, which most staff, I would say, are. Yeah. Yeah. So many tangents. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Please keep listening to our show. (laughs) Everyone's here for the tangents, Mary. (laughs) Who cares about Stargate? That's just a thing that we use to pretend we need a reason to chat. Yeah. Well, it's the only reason that people want to listen to Fair. us chatting to each other, I guess. I, I mean, we'll be chatting regardless. That but is true. It's what makes people interested in listening yeah. to us chat and go on random tangents. Anyway, that's that scene. I hated it. Yeah. I hated that I'm scene. Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Satesh guards nose trips. <laughs> <laughs> in the vip accommodations for daniel he plays chess with jack and daniel manages to i don't play chess do the checkmate and he seems concerned because <laughs> you don't play chess i, I love chess. i i'm not a strategic person i don't understand mm. like it just doesn't make sense to me you are not that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm not a chess player fair but Daniel's concerned because he should have had checkmate two moves ago. Because <laughs> Jack, <yeah. laughs> well, Jack, Jack's like, oh, you're a little off. Daniel's like, but I feel fine. I feel totally normal. Jack's like, yeah, it's just stress. And I have a calming effect on stressed people. They finished the chess. So Jack's like, let's move on to play gin. And Daniel's like, I'm not very good at that. And Jack's like, excellent. Let's get some cards. <laughs> Daniel gets up and goes towards a cabinet in the room. This one's wooden. The last one that had a Stargate in it was metal, if anyone cares. And has... didn't I hadn't noticed. Yeah. (laughs) And he hears the Stargate. And he turns to Jack, who's just cleaning up the chess set. But Jack clearly does not hear what Daniel hears. Daniel opens the cabinet... (laughs) 
And he doesn't see a wormhole this time. Whew. That's good. Just a cabinet full of stuff, which yeah. includes a deck of cards. Daniel brings them over, and Jack starts shuffling. And then we hear a hagfish squeal. And there's just one hanging out on Jack's arm as he's shuffling. Jack clearly Disturbing. does not notice. Daniel's very concerned about it. <laughs> I would be too. Jack's like, are you okay? Daniel's like, I've had a hagfish on my arm. <laughs> it is disturbing. <laughs> I would not be reacting this calmly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Daniel says he's fine as he watches the hagfish crawl up and insert itself <laughs> Nope. Into Jack's head. His eyes flash. And Jack says he's really good. And the tail just lingers yeah. there, sticking out of the back of his head, and I hated it so much. <laughs> Why'd they make the tail linger? I don't know. Just, it was so terrible. Just for you. Apparently. At this, Dale jumps up and lunges toward Jack, shouting that there's a gould, and he's got to get it out of Jack. <laughs> And Jack's like, uh, no, there's no gold in me. Daniel stops and apologizes for jumping Jack. And he says he saw it. And he just kind of sits on the floor and lays down. There was a bed right there, there too. There was, but you know, sometimes you just gotta go down. And True. Jack tells him he, to put his head down. And Daniel seems to go right to sleep or something. Maybe. Or he's just closing his eyes. I don't know. Dr. Frazier would know just by looking at him. <laughs> it's true do you think she would notice the thing crawling under his skin that i also hated yeah, uh, yes yes so jack gets up to go talk on the phone and we do get a close-up of daniel's face yes where something is moving under the surface of his skin i hate that so it much gross i really hate it freaks me out yeah so a little bit later, Jack is apparently in the mental health ward now because he's in a padded cell, which padded cells apparently are still in use, but not actually all that much anymore. Mackenzie is there. Jack is there. Carter and Tilk are all there as well. And Mackenzie's telling them he becomes agitated really easily. So call the aides if you need anything. Don't expect a whole lot from him. Daniel says that his vision is blurred and he's looking all sweaty and sick and his eyes are red. And he says that he's having trouble figuring out if they're real or not. And he's also having trouble seeing because they took away his glasses and he's crying. And then he apologizes for being such a head case, which I hated that yeah. part too. Cause thankfully Sam's like, it's not your fault, Daniel, which yes, thank yeah. you, Carter. It's true. Mental health issues are not the individual's fault. So I thought it was great that she said yeah. that. Tilk says that Jack believes that has something to do with the Linvris people on that planet. Jack reminds Daniel about the thing that he said he felt brushing by him. And Daniel is still convinced that whatever that was, it's them, as he re refers it. He's still convinced that it, it's the Gua'uld that were in there, locked in there. He says he knows that nobody believes him, but he's convinced he felt them. And then all of a sudden he starts hearing noises. Nobody else seems to be hearing these noises. There are footsteps, and Daniel freaks out and scurries to a corner and huddles there. He's looking very panicked at this point, and he's talking about how they're coming. Tilk tells him that only his friends are here, but Daniel says he still hears the footsteps coming. Jack tells him, nope, no footsteps. Stay with us here. Daniel is continuing to 
emphasize that there are footsteps. And then all of a sudden he sees a dead body standing there next to Teal'c. And he kind of goes into hysterics at this point and is trying to point out the dead person to everybody. But of course, nobody else can see him because Daniel is hallucinating this dead person. Sam, throughout this entire thing, looks like she's about to cry. And Jack asks her to go and get some of the aides to help. Daniel lunges at the dead thing, next, what he perceives as the dead thing next to Tilk. Tilk catches him, and Daniel sees something pass from him into Tilk's hand. Tilk doesn't notice anything. Daniel now starts freaking out about the thing that just went inside of Tilk. But Jack tells him that he's hallucinating, nothing happened. And Daniel continues to be upset about how they need to get this new thing out of Tilk. We get some flashbacks of Michello randomly and hear Michello saying, you have delivered me to the vile Gua'uld so that I may destroy it. Then Daniel passes out. Sam and Jack continue to look very upset. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Back in the SGC, SG three quarters comes out of an elevator. Sam says she hates seeing Daniel like that. And Jack says, there's nothing worse than losing your mind and knowing it happens. Oof. There's nothing worse. You're right, Jack. Nothing. Yep. Yep. Also, that's not a very PC joke. No. Although that is a terrible thing to happen if it does happen. But yeah. And then Tilk doubles over and Jack and Sam drag him off to the infirmary. (laughs) (laughs) End of scene. Yeah. Back in Daniel's little padded cell, he's continuing to dream about Michello. And then suddenly he wakes up, goes over to the door, and starts yelling for Dr. McKenzie. In the infirmary, Tilk's in bed. There's a plastic barrier around him. Yeah. So not like a full type of quarantine, but a mini one? I don't know. I guess. Yeah. 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 yeah, Dr. Frazier comes out of there, takes her mask off to talk to Hammond and Jack, who are hanging out outside the plastic. And she has bad news, which is that Tilk's fish is dying, and she has no idea why. And Jack's like, what about Kelnarim? Can't Tilk do that? Tilk doesn't really answer. So obviously, no, he can't do that. <laughs> he shakes his head Yeah. Now. Oh, okay. Hammond asks if he is like Daniel, and Dr. Frazier says no, his dopamine levels are fine, and Daniel had different symptoms. This all seems to be unrelated. And she tells them he's only got maybe a day or two to live. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the mental health ward again, Dr. McKenzie has come in to see Dr. Jackson, and they're apparently there to give him his medications, but Daniel does not want his medications. He says he doesn't need any more drugs, but what he needs is to get the drugs that he's got in his system out of his system so that he can think clearly again. But Mackenzie's insistent that he needs rest. He needs to be injected with this thing. Daniel is concerned about Tilk and how Tilk is doing, though. And he's trying to argue with Mackenzie that he's better now, but he needs to find out what's happening with Teal'c, but Dr. McKenzie says he doesn't know because he hasn't been to the SGC all day. McKenzie insists that Daniel calm down, otherwise he's going to have him restrained and give him even more sedatives than he's already got. And Daniel asks, well, why are you jumping to conclusions that I'm crazy and that I'm dangerous and that I'm out of control? I Oh, I guess I'm acting that way. 
aren't I? (sighs) So he says he really just needs to get the drugs out of his system again and that he thinks he's actually cured. And they go back and forth about how, yeah, Dr. McKenzie hears that all the time from his patients who are suffering mental breaks. And Daniel's like, no, but really there was an alien organism and now it's gone, but probably Tilk has it. Will you at least just check on what's happening with Tilk and then maybe consider what I've said here? And he's continuing to talk about how he knows all of this because Michello told him. But Mackenzie's like, well, you haven't had any visitors. And Daniel's like, yeah, it's because Michello is dead. So he's not really doing a very good job of arguing his case here. But in the end, Mackenzie does agree that he will check on Tilk to see how he's doing. And then we'll reconsider what to do with Daniel if they find out that Tilk is, in fact, sick, as Daniel suspects that he will be. Whew. Yeah. There were people in the room with them, you know, to keep an eye on Daniel. Orderlies. And do you notice that the men were all wearing actual shoes and the woman was, like, in slippers or something? Oh, no, I I didn't. I don't know why that's like that. That's That's quite strange. weird, but I don't know. Just a thing I noticed. (laughs) Yeah. Frazier's there with Teal'c. Yes. Hammond comes in and tells them that Mackenzie says there's a change in Daniel and he's requesting to speak to Jack. Jack immediately springs up from his chair in the room to head out. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. That is the scene. (laughs) Sorry, that was like the most boring way I could have said all that too. I don't know. We do get a close-up of Tilk groaning at the end. Yeah. Poor Tilk. Yeah. Yep. Back in the mental health ward yet again, Jack goes in to talk to Daniel and Daniel tells him that he doesn't need to walk on eggshells anymore and he's all better, except that he's actually pacing and acting quite nervous, but he seems to realize what he's doing and suddenly calms down. And they have a more typical conversation. Jack says that, yeah, I hear you're better. What's going on? So Daniel explains that he heard Michello's voice. He saw something go out of him and go into Tilk, and he's guessing that what really happened is that Michello came up with some sort of technological or organic recording thing that he attached to these delivery vehicles that were intended to attack the vile Gwauld that are within the various hosts. Perhaps the purpose of these things that are that are carrying that Michello recording is to, to kill the Gwauld inside of a person, except that Daniel didn't have a Gwauld, so it was doing weird things to him. Daniel thinks that that's probably why he appeared to be schizophrenic and asks if he was right about Tilk being sick. And Jack says, yep, he was right about Tilk being sick. And Daniel's like, well, he, unlike me, does have a gold. Back in the SGC now, at some point, I guess, slightly later, because Daniel's been let out and looking much better, hanging out by Tilk's bed. Dr. Frazier says Daniel's dopamine levels are back to normal. Sam asks, why is it taking so long for it to go into Teal'c? And Daniel said he that maybe the thingy needed a closer proximity. So it had an opportunity. Daniel says this makes a lot of sense to him. He's had a lot of time to think about it. After that encounter, Daniel is better and Teal'c is now sick. Jack wants to know why he didn't get sick when they were hanging out the other night. And Daniel's like, you don't have a hagfish. Obviously, Jack, where you been? (laughs) 
Dr. Fraser says there is no evidence of anything foreign in Teal'c's body, but Daniel is insistent. He knows it's there. Sam points out the dead people were only dead for a month, and Michelle has been dead for six. So how, how could that be? And Daniel's like, what if he planted them earlier? Duh. <laughs> I mean, it is fairly yeah. obvious, <laughs> Jack likens this to a World War One landmine that could still be set off after the people who fought the war are dead. So they're going to have a look at the items they collected from Michello's lab. So it's good to know they did go back and get stuff from there. Yes. I wonder how they transported the body swapping device. I guess the people who'd already swapped could right. carry it. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's not that important. So they took stuff back from his lab and it's all been sent to Area 51, but there is a handy dandy computer with a catalog of the items there that they can look at. And Jack spot in one of the images that it looks like the page turning device that they found on the planet. And there's also a bunch of those like page turner like stones also featured. And Dr. Fraser's like, why so many? And Sam's like, landmine? Later on in the lab, they've got one of those little quarantine box things with a couple pairs of gloves in it, similar to the one that Sam was using before that ate through her gloves and we saw her <laughs> wash her hands for all of two seconds after. They've got some of those, they've got one of those tablets and they've got some of those page turning devices sealed into that chamber as well. And they're trying to take a look at it and see if they can activate it, make it do something. Fraser says that on the right, they have one from Lindris and then on the other side, they have one from Area 51. They continue to try to poke at them and make them work. Apparently they eventually do. Sam runs one of these page turning things over the tablet and 10 gross slug-like organisms fall out of it. <laughs> Fraser's like, oh, there we are. Like, there's five, oh, 10 all together. So if all of these are the same, then we're looking at about 10 per device. So Daniel calls down to them and says that that explains how he got infected because on Linvris, there were nine people in the chamber who were dead and there would have been one more in the device that he was trying to use on that planet. And so Fraser's like, all right, well, let's try to get one under a microscope. But as she says that, all of a sudden, some of them climbs directly through the gloves and into Sam. And then they also climb into Fraser and then they climb through the walls of the containment box itself. And so, oops, that's not good. No. Warning siren starts up. I wonder who hit this alarm. Because who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Sam and Fraser back away from the thing. But it's obviously too late. The things are already in their arms and Jack jumps back too. But apparently he gets a thing in him as well. Slimy, gross, disgusting thing. Daniel calls over the intercom for Hammond to come down to be hazmat observation right away. Woo. Yeah. Gross. And after that, we just get Jack, Fraser, and Sam all freaking out about these gross things that are now crawling around under their yeah. skin which is very understandable because i would be freaking out too because it was gross yes. and i hated it yes. <laughs> hammond arrives in the observation room daniel tells him we have a breach hammond wants to know if the base is at risk and dr fraser says that they stayed in there how would she know that though? Because it was able to climb straight through the wall of the containment I don't box. So, no, but she thinks yeah. it's probably okay. 
<laughs> yeah. She's like, we locked down. It's fine. But is it? Yeah. <laughs> Hammond calls Dr. Warner, our alarm aficionado, to yeah. the observation area stat. I was going to say maybe he's the one that hit the alarm before, but he wasn't there no. yet. So it couldn't have been yeah. him. The alarms, as we know, are already blaring, but he might have other skills to lend to this. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. He also calls for a containment team for a containment integrity scan. Daniel says the answer is on the tablet. And I don't know why he would think that. I don't either. Because it was a trap. Why would the information to help them be on that tablet? Right. Also... Like, as far as we can tell, it was just, like, the page-turning devices that were there by Michello, not the tablet itself. Yeah. So it could have just been any old random tablet. Yeah. So at this point, I was like, what the fuck is this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So they're talking about how there was ten little blobby slugs. And yeah. the nine of them went into the Limbrus. And so there was a tenth one to infect Daniel. Yeah. But then in this scene, all the little buggies went into all the people. There were no yeah. leftover buggies. Right. So how's that work? <laughs> Why didn't one of them just I join don't have its an friend? <laughs> anyway. It's a, v- a very good question that I don't have an answer for. thing that was bothering me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Sam got, they said, like, Sam got four of them, and I think Fraser got, like, three. Jack maybe got one. Yeah. I don't know what happened to the other one, which is why I'm like, is it on the base somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. 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 Dr. Fraser says all the bugs are inside them. Funny. Gross. Yeah. And they can expect their symptoms to be rapidly acute. Jack pre-apologizes for anything offensive he, he might say or do. <laughs> As he yep. slowly goes, nuts! Yeah. <sighs> Fraser says, me too. Jack's vision is already getting a little blurry and sees Sam as a gould. Sam's like, there's nothing wrong with me, though. And Daniel's like, but you have four of the things. But Sam's like, but I feel fine. I must be immune. So fast to diagnose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Warner appears and Hammond gestures to him and... He gets on the mic to ask Dr. Fraser how he can help. And Fraser's like, yeah, you can't really do much. But Sam's like, there's nothing wrong with me. So Dr. Warner would like her to do some tests to figure out why. And Hammond's like, uh, no, because we can't let you in there to contaminate another person and the whole base. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack is writhing on the floor. Daniel offers to go in since he's probably immune now. Of course, obviously. Of course he'd be immune. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That track. <laughs> sure. And Hammond says no. They're trying to work that out, but Sam has a moment and is like, whoa. And then four slimy worms pop out of her ear and they seem to die on the ground. Peek-a-boo. That was yeah. gross. Hated that too. Yeah. But then she poked at them and they were yeah, slimy. Yeah, was, she touched made them. Yeah. <laughs> And she also heard Michello telling her her ghouled captor is dead. But she's like, I don't have one. Daniel's like, you did. And, oh, remember the protein marker from earlier? (laughs) It comes into play. (laughs) Wow. 
Who'd have so thought? once it appears in the blood, that signals to the little slugs that everything's cool and they can go die. Yeah. yeah. And pop out of yep. people's ears in disgusting ways. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to, why isn't Jack immune? Because of, you know, Hathor's gift. And Sam said that, no, that Gould left Jack and had not fully taken over him and then died. At this point, Sam tries to get through to Janet, who's pretty out of it. Sam wants to know if there's any way that they can extract her blood and inject it into everybody else that was infected so that they can give the protein marker from her to everybody else. But Dr. Warner says the other blood types wouldn't match. So that's not a possibility. You have to separate the protein from the rest of the blood. And Sam's like, all right, great. How do I do that? And Dr. Warner is like, well, you don't have the necessary equipment in there. And even if you did, it would take weeks. Sam's like, all right, well, there's got to be a way. We've got all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a lot of stuff in there. But he says that they need high pressure liquid chromatography to separate and isolate protein factors from the rest of the blood. Uh, and that it would yield 30 to 40 proteins. And that they would then have to test each one to find the right one. And Sam's like, yeah, I get it. Okay, fine. But... Frazier's got another idea. She weakly says, centrifuge. And Sam's like, what? What about a centrifuge? We've got a centrifuge. Frazier tells her to put as much blood as possible in the centrifuge. Carter quickly draws some of her own blood. There's the juice. Which would be possible, but quite difficult, I would think. Frazier is continuing to hallucinate and starts tearing off her clothing. So there's that. Jack is lying on the ground in the fetal position. Dr. Warner is continuing to argue that Sam's just wasting her time, but Sam's just ignoring him because, like, really, what else does she have to do but give this a try? Like, just sit there and do nothing? No, she's got to try something, right? So as Dr. Frazier is continuing to take off her clothes and complain about how it's too hot in there, Carter again manages to get through to her and... Frazier doesn't want to play along with Sam because she is convinced that Sam is a Gwauld and that Sam needs to stay away from her. But Sam is like, nope, not a Gwauld. It's me. I'm your friend. It's your friend, Sam. Frazier kind of comes to a little bit more and says that she needs to put the test tube full of blood into the centrifuge. So Sam does this, takes the centrifuge out and now asks, all right, got it. What do I do with this now? What does the centrifuge have to do with anything? I don't so, No, what does it have to do with anything? Oh, it actually, well, it actually technically does. Warner is continuing to argue that she's just wasting her time, but Fraser says very weakly that, no, you don't need to isolate the specific protein. You just need to get the red blood cells out of the blood. And Daniel's like, what's she talking about? And Warner is finally like, I see where you're going. I actually saw where they were going before this point and i was like why are they not going that route but anyway it doesn't matter so long story short what they're trying to do here is separate the rejectable parts of the blood as dr warner says to give them to to, so that they can then give the plasma to sam however this would only work in one very specific circumstance and that would be if if sam had ab positive blood as dr warner says The part that makes blood types incompatible is just the red blood cells and a few things in the plasma. (laughs) Those few things being antibodies, (laughs) which are important and would still be there in the plasma. So 
This would technically work though, if Sam was AB and ideally AB positive, because that would mean she would not have any antibodies present in her plasma. So I am going to assume <laughs> that Sam is AB positive because now we've separated out the red blood cells that had the antigens on them, the A antigens and the B antigens and the RH factors that could have reacted with anyone else's blood. So now if we've just got this plasma, it's going to have proteins in it. It won't have any antibodies in it because AB positive blood isn't going to have antibodies to any other blood type. And that will be my headcanon forever Good. now that Sam is AB positive and they better not ever <laughs> tell me otherwise. But at this point, Jeff was watching this episode with me also, and he was trying to argue with me that it wouldn't really matter if they're just using a little bit of blood from Sam and these other people. And I actually didn't know exactly how much it was. My argument, of course, was that any amount of blood causing any amount of coagulation in, in your bloodstream is bad. But I didn't actually know how much would be deadly, so I looked that up, and according to the University of Michigan Medical Center, a single ounce of blood can be deadly if it is the wrong blood type. Not always deadly, but can be deadly. So what does blood weigh and how much is an ounce? Or is it a fluid ounce? Sorry. It is a okay. fluid ounce. And, and that is just shy of 29 milliliters okay. because, yes, of course, Thank I you. looked it up and did the conversion. <laughs> You're welcome. And so looking at the syringe, I actually went back and looked at the syringe that Sam used. And I couldn't really tell, but I'm guessing there were maybe about 10 milliliters in that syringe. So not technically enough to be deadly, <laughs> but still probably not any particularly safe either. But I couldn't find that specific information. How much could safely, there's no amount that could safely be injected, but like how much could be injected? What's the the biggest amount that you could have injected without symptoms of? Yeah hemolysis and bad things that that the wrong blood type does and that i couldn't find an answer to so that's my other long tangent here. so how does so i guess they don't need a lot of that protein marker then right that's another thing i was thinking of. i was like there's not a lot of protein marker in that tiny amount of blood then and then they needed to freeze it i don't why know they why they need to freeze it but they got tons of dry ice it's great yeah who doesn't um, love dry ice yeah for whatever reason they decided to freeze it and that doesn't make sense to me because by the time that you've centrifuged it, the plasma is going to be on the top. The red blood cells are going to be on the bottom and Sam is AB positive, as we all know. So they didn't need to freeze it, but there's dry ice. So they froze it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Apparently there's a ton of it, Sam specifies. So, yeah. I think it's time to have a party and yeah. put some atmosphere in the room with the dry yeah. ice. Yeah. <laughs> Sam gets a lab coat from somewhere for Yay. some reason. Because, of course, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't usually wear a lab coat when I'm doing lab work. Although I have, but not usually. It just seems weird in the middle of a crisis to be like, I'm going to yeah, put my I lab coat. Lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they've completed this process. Sam goes over to Fraser and injects her with something, presumably her plasma. Maybe freezing would make the antibodies fall out, but then it would also probably make the protein fall huh. out of the plasma, I would think. I don't actually know. We're getting out of my How long, my how long would it take to freeze here. and unfreeze with the dry ice? I, I don't, don't know. know that. Anyway, <laughs> after she injects Fraser, she goes over and does it to Jack. Jack tells her she looks terrible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's really good. Thanks for saving yeah. my life. You look terrible. Yeah, you look like crap. She thanks him. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she heads back over to Dr. Fraser, who is hearing Hermicello. 
And then the slimy slugs ooze out her ear. And then also yep. out of Jack's ear. Yep. Jack picks one up, looks at it in disgust, and then drops it. Hammond and Warmer. Warmer. I keep calling him Warmer today. Hammond and Dr. Warner look at each other, pleased. Daniel also looks pleased. We're all pleased. Yeah. Everyone is very pleased. Back in the infirmary, all of SG1, uh, SG three quarters are gathered around Tilk's bed, and Hammond and Dr. Fraser are also there. Dr. Fraser injects the protein into his IV and says, well, I don't know if it's going to work, but he'll have the marker. And he'll also still have his glow-willed larva. What if the marker is deadly to the glow-willed larva, though? I was wondering. They can't worry about that. He's going to die anyway. (laughs) Isn't a thing we worry about. Tilt grounds, opens his eyes, and a slug thing falls out of his ear and is, like, suctioned away into a tube. I called it a Mr. Thirsty, which is what my dentist used to call that thing when I was a kid. music we made it yes, yes we did <laughs> <Whew. laughs> kathy i bet you loved it right you want to it tell was my favorite episode it? of all time yeah yeah so good i could tell i'm very disappointed in this episode <laughs> yes. mainly i think because i thought i was gonna get a creepy like ghost story type episode Me too and i love those and then it goes for a wild pivot into mental health problems that don't actually exist and then creepy slimy slugs it was just disappointing in that respect yeah i agree so i wasn't super fond of that i like that we get to see michello's stuff i'm glad they took michello's stuff i hope they find it useful if they can find a way to contain these bugs maybe they could save people with them from their hagfish find share and yeah for one of these yeah but otherwise it did not work for me because yeah it was not what i was looking for by what they gave me (laughs) yeah yeah so i think that's about it i just did not like that and it sort of tainted the whole (laughs) rest of the episode right that's fair how about you i had pretty similar thoughts yeah the first 10 minutes i was like "Ooh, this is creepy i like this it's a ghost story and then nope oh it got just so much worse (laughs) i know i joke about Michael Shanks, but I actually was kind of impressed with his acting in this episode. I thought he actually did a pretty good job with pretending to be nervous and like anxious and kind of out of it. I thought he was pretty convincing. I do have very mixed feelings, obviously, about their portrayal of mental health and how mental health patients are treated and the use of medications. Historically, people have often been overdosed and treated in really, really terrible ways uh, and given medications that they didn't need just in order to keep them sedated and more controllable, or they would even go as far as like giving the person a frontal lobotomy, which like literally means destroying the frontal lobe of their brain in order to keep them quote unquote manageable. But nowadays, like with more technology and proper treatment, medications for people that have mental health issues can actually be completely life-changing in a very positive way. And I say this as somebody who takes several different medications for various mental health issues that I've struggled with over the years. There's a huge stigma on having to take medication for your mental health that I think isn't fair. Having met many people 
along my journey who have similar mental health issues, I've seen many people that are reluctant to take medications. I myself have been reluctant to take medications because of the stigma. When I finally decided to take some, I was like, why did I waste so many years of my life resistant to taking these when I feel so much better now? So I think that their portrayal of mental health issues was irresponsible in that, yes, there is a dark history of us over-diagnosing or over-medicating people, but at the same time, they can be very beneficial and life-changing for people when they're used properly. I also didn't like their usage of the terms normal versus not normal. They were calling people crazy and nuts all the time, which is very frowned upon these days. It's not at all politically correct. The correct terms now are typical versus atypical. The term normal is, is not the term to use. If you're talking about somebody who has a mental health issue, you don't say, well, they're not normal. Yeah, I thought it was a horrible portrayal of mental health issues. And I hated all the slimy things crawling around underneath people's skin. The actual science of like the whole the whole plasma thing of that actually might have <laughs> maybe worked if we ignore the fact that what they're talking about is protein markers isn't really what protein markers are. But if we ignore that fact, and just assume that yes, there is actually a protein in the plasma, then this technically could have worked. Anyway, yeah, <sighs> yeah. that was my long rambly opinion <laughs> on this episode. A long story short, I thought I was gonna like it, really enjoyed the first 10 minutes, and then I did not like the rest. <laughs> no. no, yeah, yeah. And it made no sense yep. to be like, oh, something weird's happening. We deal with aliens. Oh, it must be schizophrenia. <laughs> it must be- yeah, it must just be schizophrenia. <laughs> no. It's terrible. Yeah, so what's next? Hopefully something better. It's got to be better, something right? Something better. Yeah, well, let's better. see. It'll be better. The next episode of Stargate SG-1 that we'll be watching is season three, episode five, called The Learning Curve. This might be the second to last Netflix description that we'll have before we lose the oh. Netflix on right. the start of December, because I typically watch them the night before so i will probably watch it and we'll have one more for anyway stupid netflix i I have mixed feelings about it leaving netflix because i've heard rumors that i don't know if they're true but i've heard rumors that the reason it's leaving netflix is kind of like as a precursor to the supposedly new series with michael shanks and they're going to put it on whatever streaming service that show goes on whatever that ends up being but Uh, did that deal go who knows when that's going to who knows if that's true or when that's going to happen if it does happen did that so. deal go through where amazon bought mgm because i assume I it know. would end up on prime yeah i'm hoping it used to be on prime i'm hoping it'll end up back there i hope not but that's well, well yeah I... <laughs> i'd be fine with it i got amazon <laughs> prime. Not, paramount I'm not plus paying for prime whatever yeah anyway it doesn't okay. matter i have the dvds you got your dvds <laughs> anyway so we are watching yeah. <laughs> learning curve Season 3, Episode 5 of SG-1. In the pursuit of knowledge, Colonel Jack O'Neill, Tilk, and Dr. Daniel Jackson travel to the planet Orban as part of an exchange program. So that's Netflix. Shall we see what the booklet has to say? Yes. As part of an exchange program with the planet Orban, O'Neill travels to Earth with an alien girl who possesses incredible technical knowledge. But by the time O'Neill discovers the truth behind the child's superior mind, it may be too late for them all. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> I I think I do. And yeah, I think I remember it. But I think the focus on O'Neill in the O'Neill show description <laughs> might be slightly warranted in this case. I think he's the, not maybe the, the focus, but I think he has the most relationship with this kid. 
I can't remember. But anyway. Why do they always, like, so rapidly develop close relationships with children on this show? (laughs) That's weird to me. (laughs) Hello, random child that we're suddenly best friends, like... Hey, Cassandra yeah. and Sam and you know, ch- new new Charlie yeah. and Jack. It's just weird to me how, how quickly or SGC members bond with children. And, you know, Teal'c and uh, Alex. Was, Alex was that? Oh, you're the girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Or, hey, child, I've never met before. I'm your yeah. grandpa. Give me <laughs> a hug. Grandpa. Let me pick you okay. up and carry you around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's yep. what's next. It's all weird. All right. I do want to say one other thing. Yeah. So in this episode, Daniel at some point says he was in this episode episode, (laughs) and he says something about to his friends when they go to see him in the padded room about making sure they were not figments of his imagination. And I had a flash (laughs) of your toy figment from when we were kids. Like, it just took me over. I was like, oh, my God, we used to play with figment when we were kids. We yeah. did. It was a little tiny figurine that was, what, like maybe two yeah. inches tall? So. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that thing. That's hilarious. My sister had a larger stuffed animal uh, figment did she? that we got at Disney, and uh, I was jealous of it, but I did have my little my little figment figurine. <laughs> I loved figment. I thought he was great. He was great. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I just thought of that. It's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on your podcast catcher of choice so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every monday reviews and likes are very much appreciated and word of mouth helps a whole lot with people finding the show as well if you'd like to get in touch with us you can find us on instagram and on twitter we are stargazing at both of those locations you can also email us at stargazing at gmail.com or you can find us on our website stargatesing.space and if you're feeling generous you can join us over at patreon.com slash stargatesing and you will get some bonus donor content we are currently working on going through all of stargate origins which we'll actually be recording right after this new episodes of that release every the first of every month for our patrons only Or if you really want access to those Origins episodes and you don't necessarily want the monthly commitment, you can head over to PayPal and make a one-time donation of $15 or more. You'll get access to a special Stargate Origins feed for that one-time donation. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing The End. The End. Good time. I'm glad you mentioned Origins because I actually was like, oh, we're done. Yeah, we can record it on a different <laughs> no, day, too, if you'd it's rather. It's fine. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> I know, but I hated that one, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> me, too. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs>